0: everyone and welcome to the up north trip. I'm your host Sean Lawson. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be recapping all the action that happened last weekend between the wild card rounds and no pun intended, it was pretty wild. Especially that Buffalo Houston game. Uh, the last 2 minutes were a mess in regulation and a little bit in overtime. It was just a messy game. Um we saw the Patriots dynasty potentially coming to an end, but I'll explain how it, it won't. I know a lot of people are jumping the gun on how the Patriots dynasty is coming to a close. Uh, I believe it's not, but we'll get to that after we recap that matchup between the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. We also saw Kirk Cousins beat a above 500 team for the first time this season. Uh, Against the New Orleans Saints. And we saw Josh McCown, former Jets uh, quarterback and former almost half of the league quarterback team. He played for the Arizona Cardinals, Detroit Lions, so many other teams. At the age of 40, he played his first um, career postseason game for the Philadelphia Eagles. We also have a lot of new head coaching hire news we also have a lot of NBA news and a little CFL news for the hometown Montreal Alouettes so we're gonna dive into it we have to start obviously with recapping all the wild card action to start like I said we're starting off with the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans down in Texas the first game on Saturday the Houston Texans come all the way back from a 16-point deficit to defeat the Josh Allen-led Buffalo Bills in overtime with a game-winning field goal by kicker Kaimi Fairbairn, 22-19 final score out there in H-Town. The inexperienced play of Josh Allen in the end of the game was clear and evident, with him literally just lateraling the ball once in the fourth quarter um, to... I believe, I believe the one in the fourth quarter was uh, potentially to a lineman or something like that, um, or the tight end, and then the tight end with a heads-up play knocks the ball backwards out of bounds, saving from a potential penalty uh, that would have been 15 yards or so, heads-up play by the tight end for Buffalo, and then he did it again, I think, in overtime, but they recovered it um but yeah the inexperienced play of Josh Allen was crucial late in the game he was electric in the first half he was dynamite he was throwing the ball well um making a lot of heads up plays and then yeah, I don't know the pressure with Deshaun Watson and coming back I guess he just he had to I don't know what what was going on in his brain but he he imagined that he had to make a um Deion Sanders kind of lateral plays with his team, uh, with his teammates and confuse the defense but it did not work for Josh Allen um a crucial illegal blindside block by offensive lineman Cody Ford for the Buffalo Bills in overtime put an end to Buffalo's final drive in the game which a lot of people have been saying was a controversial call made by the refs and here's here's the problem with uh, a couple of these penalties in the rule book um the illegal blindside block, or whatever the terminology is in the um, in the rule book, it's controversial in its own, because originally when the rule was set, it was to take away the big hits, uh, the big blindsided hits on let's say punt returns and kick returns, where you saw, you know the the portion of the team that was kicking the ball running down the field full speed, uh, trying to get the return man and you know, the return team would just smoke a player, just absolutely light him up, send the guy flying, and usually he would land on his head or something like that, or, you know, he would get hit to the head or whatever it was, but when Cody Ford, the offensive lineman of the Buffalo Bills, did it, he, he made the block with his shoulder first. There was no head contact whatsoever. There was no huge force behind it either it was just a little push with the shoulder with the arm um the upper arm and you know it in my mind good block he's a big man he does not have the speed that uh the defensive end or a linebacker had so he had to get what he could um from his body to make the block and he made the block and the fact that that block was considered a illegal blindside block is ridiculous. And the NFL needs to look at it, sit down with a competition committee and the head of NFL refs and maybe Roger Goodell, the commissioner, and get rid of it. Restructure some of these rules, man. It's uh, 2020 and you're killing Buffalo Bills fans. And I want to see Buffalo win this game. But like I said, the huge... The huge inexperienced play of Josh Allen at the end of the game was crucial. Um, Devin Singletary, the running back for Buffalo, had an amazing game. Kudos to that kid. I am now a fan of his. Um, John Brown had a couple of plays, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills as well. But the heroics of Deshaun Watson in the second half really came down to it. That, that one play where he escaped pressure, um, I think it was in overtime, with uh, two Buffalo Bills players essentially hitting him at the same time. He bounces off a one. He bounces off the other, stays on his feet, spins out of the pocket, and launches a dart down the field to set up uh, Kaimi uh, Fairbairn. And uh, Deshaun Watson, what an amazing play. That, that'll be once he retires and if he... Becomes a potential Hall of Famer. We don't know how the rest of his career will go, obviously, but that will be a play, one of the first plays um, shown for his career, for sure. 100%. That was crazy. We move on to Foxborough, where the reign of the New England Patriots has come to an end as the Tennessee Titans have handed the former Super Bowl champions AL. In the wildcard round, 20-13, to 13, the final score there in Patriot land. The game plan for the Titans was pretty simple. Get pressure on TB12 and keep the ball out of his hands. Make him sit on the sideline. And uh, offensively, it was hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, who carried the ball 34 times and had 182 yards, rushing the most in postseason history for a running back. And he also mustered up a touchdown. Which was huge for the um, Tennessee Titans. Obviously, quarterback Ryan Tannehill of the Titans only had 72 passing yards in the game. So you know, <laughs> it's he didn't have to do much. He uh, turned over the ball once, also, but he also threw a touchdown to his tight end. Um, only mustering up um, the both teams only scoring in the first uh, the first half offensively. Um, the Tennessee Titans shut down TB12 all second half, um, with the pass rush. And it was, it was phenomenal the way they did it. Uh, defense, you know, kind of an underrated defense for the Tennessee Titans. We didn't expect them to obviously win the Foxborough. At least I didn't I thought it was going to be a shit canage for the Tennessee Titans, but nonetheless, TB12 with nine seconds left in the fourth quarter, trying to keep the Patriots in the playoffs. Not a lot of time left looking for a miracle in Foxborough throws a pick six to former Patriot cornerback of the Tennessee Titans Logan Ryan to seal it for the Titans so they move on to the divisional round and a lot of people after the game saying could be his last throw Tom Brady as a New England Patriot but after the game Tom Brady went on to say it's pretty unlikely unlikely he'll retire after the Patriots loss. And I would have to agree. Here's, here's what I'm saying um, before, ladies and gentlemen. He's a competitor. He's probably one of the most – he's probably the biggest competitor in the NFL right now. His drive, his uh, mind state is definitely not going out and retiring throwing a pick six as a New England Patriot. Definitely not. There's no way Tom Brady's going to sit down this offseason and be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to retire. I felt like I gave it all last season. No, he didn't. His defense was the only reason he he went 12-4, and Um, to be completely honest. The running game was eh. You know, Sony Michelle James White, Meh. Rex Burkhead. Meh. The wide receiver club was god-awful. Nikhil Harry, obviously a rookie. You know, we don't know what he's going to turn into. He had an okay season. Julian Edelman banged up the whole season. Rib, shoulder. Um, He was dealing with something else. Maybe a hamstring or something. No Gronk. You had to rely on the ancient Ben Watson from New Orleans. Um, they had Antonio Brown for one game uh, against Miami, as we all know, and then he went loco and now he's putting out rap music like a fucking clown. Um, an injured offensive line all season. And here's the thing. Now they're saying that Tom Brachett, he, uh, Tom, Tom Patriot, he should change his name to that. It's, uh, it's very suiting. He's been in the league for 20 years. Tom Patriot. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, Tom Brady, they're saying that he's not going to be a Patriot anymore, that he's done with the team, that he wants out. Um, Pat McAfee, um, former Indianapolis um, punter, said he's either going to be a Los Angeles Charger or a Indianapolis Colt. There's no, there's no way. Um, in, in Tom Brady's uh, contract that just uh, is coming up at the end of this league year, if the Patriots organization does not re-sign Tom Brady as their quarterback, they're going to eat, I think it's 14 or $15 million dollars in uh, dead salary cap if they do not sign, re-sign Tom Brady. Um, and here's what I think they do. Tom Brady is looking for max money, as he should. He's been taking pay cut on pay cut on each of his last um, contracts as a new England Patriot, which kudos to him. I love, I love that decision, but he's going to be 43 in August next league year. You re-sign him to a one year deal, maybe an option deal where he gets two. you draft a guy this off season. You train up, you get a first rounder or you get a later round pick. Um, Jared Sidham, the backup QB, is not the guy. Cody Kessler is not the guy there in New England to back up Tom Brady after he eventually does retire. But you re sign him to whatever amount of money he wants. He's brought you six Super Bowls. You keep him in New England. You get some pieces around him. Keep the defense, run it back with the defense. But you got to get him a couple weapons. Tom Brady, my advice to you, you play this last year, one final season, one last hoorah. You call up Gronkowski and you tell him, hey, Gronk, me and you both retire at the end of this year, hopefully with another Super Bowl ring, Um, the seventh, the most Super Bowls out of any organization uh, ever, and we retire champions. I retire, you retire. But you, you got to come back. You get Gronk back. And, uh, yeah, you go out a champion. You sign him to a one-year deal, $30 million, fuck it. So I do not think that Tom Brady is done. He went on to say it's pretty unlikely, and I would have to agree. And if he does go to another team, that's going to be hella weird. But I think they run it back in New England. And uh, the dynasty continues for one more year. We move on to the Sunday matchups, both NFC matchups. But to start, we have to start with Minnesota went down to the Bayou and provided us another playoff classic between them and the New Orleans Saints. A game-winning touchdown drive to tight end Kyle Rudolph in overtime. Two beautiful balls thrown by Kirk Cousins, I might add, um, once to, uh, wide receiver Adam Thielen a huge bomb right down the field set him up on in the uh, in the red zone almost in uh, on the gold line I think it was on like the two or the three yard line but then another nice lob throw by Kirk Cousins to Kyle Rudolph to seal it for the Minnesota uh, Vikings they move on to face off against the San Francisco 49ers but On that last throw, that nice lob throw, we did see a little push-off by tight end Kyle Rudolph, which should have been a blatant pass interference. Back him up 15 yards. But there was no review whatsoever by the refs on uh, Sunday down in New Orleans. They just ended the game. Another, and the New Orleans sets get burnt once again um, by the referees. Kirk Cousins, like I said earlier, finally had... Had defeated a team that had a above five hundred record on the year, and uh, you know he he played fairly well. Obviously, struggled in the first half a little, but a strong second half to end the game and defeat the thirteen and three uh, New Orleans Saints, the third seed. And uh, we got to see at the end of the game, um, Kirk Cousins in the locker room with all of his teammates screaming, "You like that?" Once again. And uh, sorry if that was a little loud, folks, but it was uh, hilarious. I love that he said it again. And uh, he moves on to the divisional round for the uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And it's great. It's, it's great to see uh, Kirk Cousins. You know, he's been abysmal all year in prime time, um, especially in the playoffs, too. I think he made it once with the Ro- Washington Redskins. But, uh, however, had to take a sip of coffee there. Um, to wake my ass up, but Kirk Cousins, moving on to the next round, is finally good, that's what the, the organization for the Vikings wanted, they wanted Kirk Cousins to come in with that good defe- uh, offensive weapons that he's surrounded by, um, the good defense that he has also been provided from the team, and that's what the $84 million guaranteed contract, that's what the Minnesota Vikings wanted from Kirk Cousins, and let's see if he could do it again, um but we'll have to wait and see this weekend. We move on to the last wild card game which was between the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Lincoln Financial Field to face off against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Seattle Seahawks upset the Philly Faithful in Philly 17 to 9 and the Seahawks move on to face the Green Bay Packers next uh this weekend. Carson Wentz left the game early in the fourth quarter by a by having Jadavian Clowney, defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks, essentially body slamming Carson Wentz's head onto the um, turf or um, grass out there in Lincoln Financial Field, you saw him go to the sideline and w- wincing. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, wincing in pain. Um, you could tell uh, when he was looking at the last drive on the um, Microsoft Surface handheld that he was not right headed to the blue tent, and then headed into the locker room. And it's unfortunate because it was his first actual prime uh, – not prime time game, but playoff game. And he got – he survived all season, no injuries. He was the only guy that was pretty much healthy all season long. And, uh, you know, you get, uh, you get taken out in the first quarter in your first playoff game. Terrible, terrible sight. But you had the 40-year-old Josh McCown step in. And uh, try to put some points on the board, try to do his best. Um, But the um, age caught up to him, the uh, lack of mobility um, caught up to him. And, uh, you know, just a lot of pressure for Josh McCown um, to try and send the Philly faithful into the next round. But that was not the case. I just want to point out DK Metcalf, the young rookie wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Was amazing on Sunday, last Sunday, with the most reception yards uh, in his by a rookie in his first postseason debut, 170 receiving yards and one touchdown, and the final play to seal it for the Seattle Seahawks at the end of the game. There was a crazy ride, crazy throw for the. Uh, it's been a it's been a crazy ride for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, did not think they would make the playoffs, but they run the table at the end of the season and outgunned the Dallas Cowboys, and, you know, they hosted the playoff game. If uh, the Philly fans have anything to look back on on this season, you know, you caught the injury bug all season long with your defense, offense, um, and your quarterback in the playoffs, and uh, it was just unfortunate. But, hey, at least you made the playoffs. You won your division. There's a lot of, you know, little wins that you could point out on the season. We move on to the news. A lot of news for you guys today. Um, First off, we have to start off with the head coaching hirings um, of earlier this week. The Dallas Cowboys fire head coach Jason Garrett and strike first in the new head coaching hires by landing former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mike McCarthy, to a five-year deal with um, uh, a year salary that will probably eclipse... More than $5 million a year for Mike McCarthy. I, I like to hire. You know, the the only problem that the Dallas Cowboys have was coaching. Jason Garrett was not the guy. He's the clapper. He I, I imagine him in team meetings or when he goes up to Jerry Jones and talks to him, that he's just a yes man. He gives you what you want to hear. There's no um, concrete. Back backing up his plans, I feel like he's <laughs> um, hanging out in a closet, listening to Jerry Jones' whispers and then what he, what Jerry Jones wants, and then he'll come into the room and be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you that, and Jerry Jones is just sitting there like an idiot, like, yeah, okay, that's exactly what I want. He's a yes man, and uh, all the best to Jason Garrett. Um, we have a little news after this that maybe he's going to get another coaching gig, but I like the Mike McCarthy hire. It gives you consistency. He did win a Super Bowl. Um, he took this season obviously off for um, coaching, and he's been restructuring his plan. Uh, hopefully, restructuring his playbook because his playbook was terrible at the end in Green Bay. Um, and he, apparently, he's been getting into analytics. Um, obviously, crunching the numbers uh, for football. Um, so we're going to see. We're going to see because Dallas has all the talent in the world. They have a good offensive line, offensive weapons, uh, good defense with uh, those young linebackers and that front four, and uh, hopefully you can do it. All the best to Mike McCarthy. We move on to the Carolina Panthers. They move in a new direction as they uh, hire former Baylor University head coach Matt Rule to a seven-year deal. Also, could the contract in total could add up to $70 million for Matt Rule. Um, Very successful university head coach. He was the um, Temple University head coach. He turned that um, club around, went into winning ways, got hired by Baylor, turned that um, college program around, and uh, very successful last – This year for Matt rule with Baylor and hopefully he can turn the Carolina Panthers around in a very tough NFC South division. So all the best to Matt rule out there in Carolina. I know my cousins, uh, Panthers fans, they'll be happy about the new head coaching hire, but we move on to the New York, the big apple, the New York giants also grab a new head coach hiring former new England Patriots special teams coach, Joe judge, to save their team and get them back on track. Also, the G-Men, the New York football giants, also inquiring on trying to hire former head coach, Cowboys head coach, Jason Garrett, as their offensive coordinator. Jason Garrett, a former um, quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and also a former quarterback for the New York football giants. So we'll see if uh, the Cowboys will let Garrett go to Um, NFC East rival New York Giants, as Jason Garrett is still technically under contract. So we'll see. We move on to the NBA. Detroit Pistons star Blake Griffin will undergo season-ending knee surgery. Very unfortunate news for the Detroit Pistons, as they were the eighth seed last year in the playoffs. Um, And they lose their star, their best player for the Detroit Pistons. I like Blake Griffin, unfortunate news out there for Detroit and Blake last night. We also saw Jimmy Butler. <laughs> this is just a little funny note. I wanted to add Jimmy Butler, um, star, um, out there for the Miami heat. He, he blow kiss. <laughs> he blew kisses at ejected, uh, Indianap- uh, Indiana Pacers, TJ Warren, and it was just a funny um, series of events. You had Jimmy Butler throw his elbow into TJ Warren. Um, you saw Jimmy Butler get a technical foul um, and for the elbow into TJ Warren. But TJ Warren was feeling some type of way, went up to Jimmy Butler, talking a bunch of trash, tell him to come here. And uh, I-, I don't know what he was saying verbally, but he got a double technical and then it got ejected. And Jimmy Butler decided to blow kisses and wave bye-bye to T.J. Warren, which was hilarious. We move on to some good news for the Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, Indiana Wow, why am I saying Indianapolis? The Indiana Pacers point guard, Victor Oladipo, he's setting his return back on the court for January 29th. As the athletic reports for the star out there for the Pacers, some good news for the Pacers as they welcome back their star soon. Other news, Anthony Davis bypass bypassing Lakers max contract extension for free agency. Um, So I think Anthony Davis as a Laker one and done for the club um, as he expresses his, uh, That he wants to hit free agency next season. He wants to start somewhere new. So little news out there for the Lakers. Um, Also, former star Dwayne Wade for the Miami Heat set to retire. um, The team sets to retire his jersey up into the rafters in a three-day ceremony. Now, why would you need three days to retire Dwayne Wade? I get it he was your bread and butter out in Miami when he played there. Won you some two championships, but just do one day. Just it doesn't it takes like 20 minutes to you know, get that slow um slow pull of jersey into the rafters. I don't get why it's a 3-day celebration cuz he's the number 3. Yeah, well fuck off. Uh weird news coming out of the NBA. The NBA is so weird. But To add another fun one, um, Dwight Howard, um, center or power forward, whatever position he is, Dwight Howard, to participate in the slam dunk contest at the 2020 All-Star Weekend so we get to see Superman back in the dunk contest. And I'm here for it. I am here for that. Love it. He is playing phenomenally also for the Los Angeles Lakers, and uh, you you love to see it would love to see Dwight Howard back in the dunk contest cuz last time he was in it it was electric. Um also a little just a little f- um college football NFL related um news Tua Tagovailoa declares for the 2020 NFL draft. I crush the pronunciation of that too. So thank you for that. Um he declares for the 2020 NFL draft. Um off, obviously coming off his uh, season-ending hip surgery, I think that will affect his draft stock, but m- not by much. I could probably see him going in the later rounds, in the first round or the second round. Um, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see uh, come springtime for the 2020 NFL draft. CFL news. We have a new, two new owners for the Montreal Alouettes. On Monday, the CFL announced that businessmen of s Sports Co., a corporate entity owned by Sid Spiegel and Gary Stern, become the team's new owners for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, last season, the team was bought by the league. It was run by the CFL, the Canadian Football League. And uh, I'm pretty happy that we found owners. We're going to see probably a lot of changes with the team. Um, try to get the fans more uh, interacted with the club and uh, you love to see it. You finally love to see your hometown football team with two new owners. It's great um, and hopefully it just leads to more success. We were in the playoffs last season and uh, hopefully they uh, bring a lot of new um, you know, players or change up some different stuff with the team. So you love to see it. You love to see successful Montreal news because the Montreal Canadians the Habs are a complete dumpster fire right now I get that they're injured but we finally get some new some good news out there in Montreal it's great you'll love to see it so folks we got to move on there's going to be no warm beer cold beer uh, I feel like that's a regular season kind of deal so we're just going to be talking about the divisional round matchups coming up this weekend. To start, we have to start with the Saturday games at 4 35 PM on Saturday. We have Kirk cousins and the Minnesota Vikings traveling to the Bay area to face off against the San Francisco 49ers 49ers all time have won four out of the five playoff matchups against the Vikings in all the years in the Super Bowl era era. Um, How do I think this game is going to go? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's first postseason start for the San Francisco 49ers and for his career all time, you know, we're going to see, we're going to see how he does. I think, um, he's going to struggle. This is my prediction. He's going to struggle in his first start. You know, obviously has that running game that he can, uh, fall behind. He has George Kittle. He has all those young wide receivers. I do think, however, he's going to struggle. Um, also, Kirk Cousins is going to have a tough day as he has to deal with San Francisco 49ers uh, front four on defense. Uh, Eric Armstead, uh, CJ Wilson, Nick Bosa, all those guys. It's going to bring a lot of pressure to Kirk Cousins with a offensive line that is not that uh, good, in my opinion. Um, so this is going to be a low-scoring affair in my mind, and uh, we'll, see. we'll see how Jimmy Garoppolo plays if he doesn't make any uh, mistakes because the Minnesota Vikings, as we all know, have a pretty good defense too. Eversick Griffin, uh, Daniil Hunter, um, and I forget that guy in the backfield, the safety that was the third um, tying in the interceptions this year. Uh, between Stephon Gilmore and uh, who else? Anyways, um, but I think the 49ers will come out on top in the game if I have to pick them. 49ers win this game uh, Pretty, pre- in a pretty ugly effort, let's say that. We move on to Saturday's late game at 8.15 p.m. between the Tennessee Titans, who shocked the world last weekend defeating the New England Patriots, taking on the Baltimore Ravens in MNT Bank Stadium out there in Maryland. Fourth postseason uh, meeting between these two teams um, back before the uh, league was set up into eight divisions, uh, North, east, Southwest. Um, the Tennessee and Baltimore Ravens, the Tennessee Titans, and Baltimore Ravens used to go at it in the AFC Central. They were heated rivals. And uh, every time they met each other, it was a slugfest. So maybe we see a great game coming out of these two clubs. Um, however, between these two teams, the road team is 3-0. and oh. So could we see Tennessee Titans pulling off another shocker on the road and punching their ticket to the AFC Championship? Absolutely not. We saw Lamar Jackson last season struggle against the um L.A. Chargers, and was one and done in the playoffs. He gets redemption, and he wins this game single-handedly. He's going to be, I think he's going to be phenomenal, and he's going to punch his ticket to the AFC Championship game. So let's go Ravens. That place is going to be electric, by the way. M&T Bank Stadium is going to be crazy. Um, I went there uh, last summer for a Green Bay um, Packers-Baltimore Ravens game preseason game and in preseason that stadium was electric. The fans are loud, very underrated stadium for being very loud. We move on to Sunday's matchup at 3:05 p.m. between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Head coach Andy Reid of the Chiefs is 22 and 5 coming off of buys pretty pretty studded record there for the head coach, but He's got to worry about his team on the field. Uh, Deshaun Watson coming off of his heroics of last weekend. Um, You know, his defense playing pretty well. Uh, But I think it won't be enough for... I think the team will struggle against the high-flying Kansas City Chiefs offense. I have the Chiefs moving on to face off against Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. You know, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, they're going to be electric. They have a good offensive line as well that I think will be overmatched for J.J. Watt and uh, Whitney Merciless out there in Houston. And to wrap it up for the divisional round matchups we have on Sunday at 6.40 p.m., so weird. (laughs) The playoff times, like I said last week, are so weird. Just weird times, like 3.05 p.m. Why not at 3 o'clock, 8.15 p.m.? Why not at 8, 8 o'clock or 8.30, uh, 6.40? Probably the weirdest time for of the playoff um, games, but will all come to end next weekend, hopefully at some reasonable football times. However, we have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the frozen tundra to face off against the Green Bay Packers. Packers are 2-0 and at home against the Seahawks in the postseason. Um, but everyone's saying every sports critic, every ESPN analyst or Fox sports or NFL network saying that the Green Bay Packers are the most suspect 13 and three team. Uh, I saw a list of all the 12 teams at the beginning of the playoffs that the Green Bay Packers were ranked. Uh, oh no, sorry. It was just quarterbacks. Um, the quarterbacks were ranked all of them. 1-12, uh, to 12, and Green Bay Packers quarterback was ranked 11th. Uh, everyone's saying that this team is the most suspect of them all. They only know how to win ugly. A lot of narratives being said about this team, and you know what? If we go all the way to the Super Bowl and win to the Super Bowl ugly, sign me up. I know it's probably going to give me a lot of heart palpitations. It's probably going to kill a lot of overweight Wisconsin Knights uh, who call Wisconsin home, Green Bay home, probably going to give them a lot of strokes and heart attacks. But you know what? If we win ugly all the way, I do not care. If we win ugly on Sunday, I do not care as well. Because Russell Wilson is also – he has a 0-3 record in Lambeau when the Seattle Seahawks travel to Lambeau on the road. And uh, I don't want to get cocky. The Seattle Seahawks are a very good team. Um, you know, the return of Marshawn Lynch, um, he scored a touchdown in back to back games. So, the keys for the Packers um, keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. He has escapability, he knows how to turn uh, a play into a large gain with his feet. He also has two big weapons DK Metcalf, the rookie wide receiver. And Tyler Lockett, two strong um, weapons for Seattle. Tight end filling in Jacob Hollister, also filling in for the tight end's position. He's been making plays all year uh, for the club. And uh, you know what? They can win. But I think Green Bay comes out, shocks the world, Uh, looks very fluent on offense. Uh, the defense dominates that offensive line uh, for the Seattle Seahawks with Zadarius Smith. Wow, why is my voice cracking so much? Am I prepubescent still? Anyways, the defensive front for the Green Bay Packers, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, uh, Kenny Clark, uh, Dean Lowry comes out big, comes out dominant. It, uh, it'll essentially rely on the cornerback play. You will probably have Kevin King the cornerback for the Green Bay Packers, facing up against D.K. Metcalf. And then you'll have Jair Alexander, the second-year man for the Green Bay Packers as well, facing off against Tyler Lockett. And we'll see how they play, how they face off against them. On offense for the Green Bay Packers, we'll rely heavily on the run game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Uh, They get the return of their right uh, guard, right tackle, Brian Balaga. Uh, as he cleared concussion protocol a few days ago. So the offensive line is once again whole. We'll have to face off against Jadavian Clowney and uh, Bobby Wagner. So it's going to be a good game. Uh, I think it's going to be another classic, as it usually is, between these two teams. And uh, we'll see. We'll see who comes out on top. But my pick, obviously, is going to be with um, my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. Let's go. Go Pack Go. And that's going to do it for all the uh, divisional matchups on Saturday and Sunday on the weekend. And we'll see. We'll see uh, everyone next week to talk about it. Hopefully a little earlier in the week. I had a lot of stuff to be done. And uh, once again, I appreciate you guys tuning in every week, showing me love, showing uh, the podcast support and sharing it and uh, telling your friends about it. So I appreciate you guys, and uh, once again, peace out, love y'all, and uh, see you next week.